You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church Ross on Y. To find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. So we're in a series across all of our sites. Um, we're in this series of just how good is the good news. And um, uh, Tim, who, who's kind of really encouraged us to, to push into this series, um, he's asked us to have a headline for each message that we bring. So this morning's headline is this, uh, Runaway Child Returns to a Loving Father. Now, if you've got your Bibles, your, your Bible apps, if you turn with me to Luke 15, Luke chapter 15. Now, Luke was written by um, a doctor. I, I love Luke. Um, I love the book of Luke. He, he was a doctor. He was um, wanting to uh, do a chronology of what, what was going on in, with his faith to do with uh, Jesus. So it's an absolute great book. And Luke, Luke chapter 15. Now, I haven't got time this morning to go through the whole of the chapter. Um, but let me just say that, that Jesus is telling stories. And we know, Jesus' stories are amazing. They're not just bedtime stories. They're not just stories that rhyme. But actually, they're, they're stories that have a meaning. They're stories that teach us something. And what I find phenomenal in the scripture is that when something is repeated three times, it's almost like God is wanting us to really get the picture. I don't know about you, but some of you might freak out here. Okay, I do highlight my Bible. It's okay, I'm still going to get to heaven. Um, I write in the notes. Um, but like um, when I'm reading books, uh, when I'm reading my Bible, I highlight stuff. I, I double underline stuff when it's really important. And I, when, when, when things are repeated very quickly in the Bible... Um, so, so, you know, chronologically, like one after the other after the other. It's like God is saying, I want you to pay special attention to what I'm saying here. You need to really get this. You need to really listen. So it starts in Luke 15 of the story of the lost sheep. Now, many of you know the story of the lost sheep, but basically one sheep leaves and the shepherd goes after the one and leaves the 99. And I think that what God is saying in that story is, how much he values the lost. He's saying, the lost are important to me. I want people to become found. Then the next parable is the, the parable of the lost coin. So again, the theme of those that are lost. But the lost coin, I feel like Jesus is communicating to us that we have value. Those of us that have been lost have value. Those of us that have been found have value. So first story is his passion for going after the lost. Second story is the value he places on us, the lost and those of us that are found. And then we get into this epic story that I'm going to actually pick up on, um, which is what they call the parable of the um, prodigal son. So we're at Luke 15, 11, verse 11. We're picking this up now, okay? Um, I'm reading, I think Martin's going to, is it going to be on the screen? Look at that. Um, okay. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Uh, maybe you've not been around church for long. Maybe you're thinking, what the heck does prodigal mean? Prodigal living. 
basically, he was not a good boy. He was a naughty boy. <laughs> he wasted his money, I would imagine, on drinking, on women, on whatever he could get his hands on, partying in the moment. Now, you see, the son in this story was asking for his inheritance early. Now, I've been around people that have asked their parents for their inheritance early, and it's not gone down very well. It's still offensive, I suppose, now. It's okay if a parent says, you know what, I want to give you your inheritance early. It's okay, but kind of saying, oh, mum, any chance I can have my inheritance early? Um, Yeah, it doesn't go down too well. But back when this was written, it would have been even more offensive because basically what this son was saying to his father was, dad, you're as good as dead to me. You're as good as dead to me. He was actively, to his face, rejecting his father. In fact, those that would have heard, the servants, the the, the people that would have heard and would have known in that moment, he was publicly declaring, I want nothing to do with my family. I'm going to live life my way, separate from you. And I think that this story, this image, parallels many of our lives. Before we choose to follow Christ, we're living our own way. We, had, we wanted nothing to do with God, whether that was actively or paying no attention. Whether we meant it or not, our lifestyle was rejecting Father God. And for some of us, we did this actively. Well, nothing to do with God. No way. But if we just get back to this parable, so we know that this son is actively, to his face, rejecting his dad. Um, We read, verse 14, we pick it up again. But when he had spent all, spent all his money, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. I wonder if in that story, when it was there, no one gave him anything. Those listening to Jesus went, oh, you know, because it's almost like he's hit rock bottom. He couldn't even eat the pig food. But you see, sometimes we forget this guy was a Jew. Now, I don't know if you know much about Jewish people, but they don't eat pork. (laughs) They don't eat pork. And he couldn't even eat the food that was given to the pigs. So he is at rock bottom. He's a Jew. He's lost all of his money. He's run away from his family. He's looking after pigs, which are seen as unclean animals. He's not even got anything to eat. And he's not even allowed to eat the pig food. See, the truth of the matter is, no matter how difficult life has got, or how easy and good life feels right now, there's always rock bottom moments in our lives. There, there are, you, you, you've experienced them, and I'm sure if I was to have dinner with you after today, you would tell me of some of your lows and some of your highs. Um, the truth of life is that there are some rock bottom moments heading our way. Whether we like it or not, that's life. If you've, if you've heard a gospel where come to Jesus and life will be easy, you've heard the wrong gospel. You've heard the wrong gospel because life is not easy. We will have trials and tribulations heading our way. It might be years down the road, it may be weeks away, it could be tomorrow. But you see, God's desire 
is that we face those moments with him. That's his desire. One thing he promises is, I will be with you to the ends of the earth. He says, hand your burdens to me. Hand your burdens to me. So let's go back to the, the, the parable a minute. We're, we're at verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will rise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So the son here in this story, the son has this coming to himself kind of moment, this realisation, this epiphany. He realised that life without his father was not a good life plan. It wasn't a great decision that he made. He realised that he had messed up, so he made the decision to return home. And the truth is, that's our decision too. You may not find yourself at rock bottom right now. Or you may find yourself at rock bottom right now. And you're faced with a decision. You're faced with a decision. Each one of us, day by day, are faced with choices. And you need to make a decision. And... What I want to say to you is doing nothing is a decision. It's just not a very good one. We can bury our head in the sands and do nothing, and that is a decision in itself. The only way is up. There's a song about that, isn't there? <laughs> um, it's my absolute conviction that the only decision that will see our lives turn around, that will see your life turn around, those that you're looking at, um, in your life around you that hit rock bottom. It is my absolute conviction that the only decision that will turn our lives around is to return home to the Father. We've sung about it this morning. Murray didn't know what I was preaching on. And you may not find yourself at rock bottom at the moment, but you may find yourself lost. But it's your decision what to do next. And the only decision really is turn to the Father. That's the the first place, that's where you need to start. That's, that's your foundation. That's the, the, the point. You, uh, Kate and I, we were walking on the long mins yesterday. She may see me sitting down slowly after I've preached. Um, but, you know, um, in the past, we, we've done some walks and we've gotten lost. Um, I'd like to say not when I'm on the map, but anyway, no, I'm joking. Um, but um, no, no, yeah, so you know, we've got lost with me as well. Um, so I decided when we landed at the car park, um, I, I opened up my map and um, I made a pin on my map of where the car was parked so that if, you know, hours down the line, we're like, okay, if we made a right turn, we can just bring up the map and it will show us where the car is and we'll go home. So may I say that I think that whatever you're facing in your life right now, that pin position on your map is coming home to the Father. That's where you need to start. That is the where you need to start, coming home to the Father. You see, the son in this moment when he was making this decision, he must have felt shame. He must have felt guilt. He must have felt remorse. Let's face it, he made some really poor decisions. He certainly would have had to have pushed through pride. I know I've been there and done that when I've made mistakes. I don't want to say sorry. You know, actually, I'm going to try and think about all the reasons why you've made a mistake rather than actually own up to what I've made. He must have been going through those emotions. So to make the next step, to make that decision to return home to the Father, it mustn't have been easy. 
You see, our life, our journey, it's not an easy one. Like I've said, actually, life is not easy. But there is a better way. And I think early Christians were called people of the way. There is a better way. A way that is full of hope. A way that is full of love. A way that is full of peace. A way that is full of certainty. And all these things come from God. He enables us along the way. So the son in this picture, he's returning home. He's desperate. He's not expecting anything but a servant to be a servant in his house. He realizes he's messed up. He's got this plan to move forward. He knows his father can look after him. He just wants a roof over his head and food in his belly. He's coming home with his tail between his legs. I know those moments when my son, Caleb, who's nine, those times where he's gone off in a strop and then 20 minutes later comes back downstairs with his tail between his legs. <laughs> head down. I'm sorry, Dad. This is the kind of journey that the son's on in this scripture at the moment. And, and maybe that's how you feel. Maybe those of you that are listening on the podcast, catching up, that aren't here right now, or perhaps you're, you're listening and thinking, shall I come to this church or not? Maybe that's how you feel right now. Maybe you feel shameful. Maybe you feel guilty. Maybe you feel sad. Perhaps you don't feel good enough. Well, let's see what the father's reaction is to this son who's probably feeling all these emotions that you have been going through. So back to the parable, verse 20. I think the font's really small. Yeah, 20. And he rose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Oh, I love that verse. The father was waiting for him to return home. The father was waiting for him to return home. This is a rich guy. This is a guy who has got um, incredible things going on in his life. This is a guy who's got a, a big family to run, lots going on. And there he is waiting for his son. He's waiting for his son, even though his son totally rejected him. It must have been painful to have received that rejection from his son. But he could have, you know, you, you, you can see on, um, I'm not confessing here, I, I, I stopped watching this many years ago, but EastEnders, you, you can see the drama in it. Actually, in EastEnders, I think the script would have gone a bit different. A, a son would have actively rejected his father in EastEnders or Coronation Street or whatever. He would have actively rejected him. And I think where, the way that the script would have written would have been that the father would have been like, well, he can get stuffed. He can get lost. I don't want nothing to do with him. It'd probably be, you know, walking outside the Queen Vic. They probably would have had a scene where the son would have been walking towards the father and the father probably would have crossed the road. Because generally that's how rejection happens. Generally the drama of family sometimes, often that's what, what, what goes on. I'm just going to cut you out of my life. But we see here that the father is waiting for him. Not only is he waiting for him, but he ran towards him. And he didn't care. It was undignified in biblical times for an older man to run. People looking in on him would have gone, what the heck? I don't know what the equivalent would be now. Maybe if you're an older man, um, you know, in your retired years, coming in with a shell suit and your cap on backwards and, and you know, kind of trying to look younger than you actually are, you know. 
that you, you probably that we, we might be looking at. Yeah, hang on a minute here. That's not quite dignified here. You know, um, I remember when I led youth, uh, the youth said to me, Dan, stop trying to dress like us. Just be yourself. You know, um, you know, I was, uh, you, you've probably been there, Jake, you know, you know, skating shoes, all that kind of jazz. But the point of the matter is, is it would have been undignified what the father was doing, but he didn't care. So he was waiting for his son and he was running. He was undignified. He didn't care. He didn't. What, what did he do when he got to the son? You know, the producers of EastEnders are looking, come on, he's going to slap him in the face. No. Or maybe he's going to shout at him. No. What did he have? He had compassion. He kissed him. He kissed him. You can almost sense the love in that moment. This older guy who was waiting for his son, who's majorly rejected him, has come running and he kisses him. He embraces him. So what does this reveal about God to you and to me? Personally, I think it reveals that God is waiting for us to come home. And when we take that first step, he runs with open arms towards us. He embraces us. He has compassion towards us. He doesn't slap us. He's not angry. He kisses us. Isn't that good news? Isn't that great news? We can look at what's going on in the world at the moment and go, goodness gracious me. We've got a war going on over here. We've got our interest. We're looking to see when our mortgage might be fixed and when our rates might have to go up. We're wondering what our electric and gas bill is going to do. Goodness knows I'm, I'm flitting between the news because I like to keep an eye on stuff. But after I've read it, I need to go and have a coffee and just pray because I'm like, my goodness me, doom and gloom. But ladies and gentlemen, you know, we've had 2,000 years since Christ has come. Okay, and there's been lots going on in society, but the good news never changes. We've got good news. We've got a father who loves us. We've got a father who is compassionate towards us. It is great news. It is great news. And I think that sometimes in the midst of bad news, good news can just disappear. We can focus too much on the circumstance rather than the giver of life. Something we can easily gloss over in this story is that the son confesses his sin before the father. In that moment, he's like, Father, I've sinned against you. He confesses. Uh, and maybe you are like me, but before I came to Christ, I had a lot of sin to confess. I think I spent days confessing. God, I'm sorry for this. God, I'm sorry for that. Or maybe you've led a good life and actually, you know, you, you've led a good life, but uh, simply living your, your, your life your own way is a sin before God. So you may be like the prodigal son and, and, and you've, you've made bad decisions and you've done bad things. It could be you're nothing like him at all and you're like, well, I've led a good life, Dan, to be honest with you. It doesn't matter because living life your own way is a sin in itself because the Bible says all have fallen short and sinned before God. So uh, as I bring my message to an end, I want to focus on a few final verses here. And this is, this, if you can turn to your neighbor and say, this could just blow your mind. Because, do you know what? And it, it could be that you're like, I already know this. You may well already know this, but actually, there's something about repetition. There's something about not forgetting. Because I think the enemy wants to um, take us from knowing who we are. And getting us to a place where he's like getting us into a corner where we're feeling bad for ourselves, where he can give us a good kick. 
And I find that when I hear messages that I've heard before, I'm reminded of them. It's just a reminder of, this is who you are, Dan, and this is who you follow. Okay, are you ready? I will begin. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this is my son, for for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. See, far from the rejection that the son expected, the father went over the top to restore this son's identity. You see, the son didn't feel good enough. The son felt the weight of his actions and expected to pay for it. But instead, the father not only welcomed him back in, but set to work in restoring his identity. And there's some great symbolism in in, um, the items that he gave. So the father gave to his son the best robe, no doubt one of his own. Actually, that was a sign of dignity and honour, proof of the prodigal son's acceptance back into the family. Isn't it interesting that when we read the Bible, those of us that have come to Christ, it says that we are robed with his righteousness. So in that moment of Jesus robing us with his righteousness, just like the the prodigal son is welcomed back into the family when that robe is put on him, we are invited into the family of God because of being robed with Jesus' righteousness. Uh, This son was given a a ring and put on his hand. Actually, the ring was a sign of authority. It was a sign of authority. Not only was he invited back into the family, but they are saying, you are an important member of the family. Now, I don't know, I'm really into post boxes now. Somebody's fault, but, you know, we're looking at what the cipher is on a post box. What's the stamp that's on the post box? Um, so we're really excited to be looking out for Charles's post box soon. We're going to find one. We'll probably take our picture with it. Um, it's okay, I'm a nerd. I'm, I'm proud of it. It's fine. But like, you see, the, the cipher that, that King Charles has got now, that, that's a sign of his authority. So, you know, I don't think... He'll probably have stuff on his ring, and I don't know whether he'll have a particular ring that he puts in to, to wax and stamps on some of his really important documents but we know that at least it will be embossed in his letters. We know that it will be stamped to show the authority of the king. So in this moment, this father is saying, no, it's not just enough that I'm welcoming you back in the family. I'm giving you the same authority you had when you left. It's as if you never left. And, and what I find amazing is that, that Jesus doesn't just invite us into his family, he doesn't just give us that robe of righteousness, but we have that authority. Many of you this morning have prayed in Jesus' name over our brothers and sisters who aren't here. Why are we praying in Jesus' name? Because we have the the, the authority. We have been given the authority from God because we are sons and we are daughters in the kingdom of God. And then finally, we see that this guy's put the sandals on his feet. You see, a lot of servants in that time, a lot of slaves in that time, they wouldn't have shoes. Sandals were a sign that you weren't a slave, you weren't a servant. And and, and the Bible talks about those of us that are in Christ, we are not slaves, we're not servants, but we are sons, we are daughters. Um, But what's interesting, I'll say this, it's not in my notes, 
what's interesting is when you look at Ephesians, it talks about the, the sandals um, being geared with the sandals, the, the gospel, isn't it? The good news. And I think that as Christians, we're, we, we've received the love of the Father. We, we have dignity and honor because he's clothed us in his righteousness. We have the son's authority in Jesus' name. And then we've got the feet, the, the, the sandals, which show that actually, you know, we're not slaves, we're not servants, but it also reminds us of, of our mission. And whatever it is, whatever the future looks like for Ross here and, for, and what we're doing in Hereford, the one thing I do know that actually we have got a calling, right? We're in his family. And those of us in the family of God, we are called to spread the good news wherever we go. The good news of the gospel, the, the, the sandals of the gospel, the good news of the gospel. We've got good news. We can't keep this to ourselves. You see, all of these things represent what we receive in Christ when we decide to follow him. Acceptance into God's family, authority in the name of Jesus, sonship, we become children of God. We are no longer servants and slaves. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassions on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. This is good news. This is beyond good news. This is great news. I might wrong you one day by mistake, and you might remember it for a long time. But actually, Father, who has a right to remember it, actually says, I'm forgetting it. <laughs> as far as the East is from the West, basically what he's saying is, actually, I'm forgetting it. And uh, I'm just wondering, maybe, Murray, could you play the guitar for a moment? Because I think there's a response. And I just wanted to, yeah, just for a moment for us to respond. And then I'll hand back to JP. You see, I've been a Christian since 2001, and uh, life has been good, and life has been rubbish. There have been ups and there have been downs. And I remember, I've read this story over and over again, and my heart has been moved by the love of the Father. And uh, I've read books on experiencing the Father's love. I've been to conferences where I'm like, Lord, I just want to... I want a deeper expression of your love. I want to experience you like what these people experience you in books. You know, this father's love, this encounter with the father's love. And, and um, what I come to find over time is you can't make that happen. It's not for us to try and make happen. And I know back in 2020, I had this encounter with father. And, and, and I'm just going to share it with you because it may speak to maybe one of you this morning, but I remember I was, in 2020, there was a difficult situation going on in my life. And I remember I was lying in my bed and um, I just couldn't stop crying. And no matter what I was trying to do, my head, it was just getting worse and worse. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know the direction to head in. I, I, I was lost. I knew Jesus but I was lost. And it was in that moment that I really sensed the devil laughing at me, saying, look at you right now. Look at you. You have nothing. You've lost it all. You are nothing. Nobody cares about you. It was all of this, you know, almost like that moment where the sun was like 
I've got nothing to eat, not even pig food. You know, I was in that moment. And I remember, and I'll remember for the rest of my life in that moment, what happened. I heard this voice, and this voice went, silence. But it wasn't, it was a powerful voice. I believe it was the voice of the Father. And in that moment, I felt a real sense, I'm quite a prophetic person, I do visually see things. I had a real sense that that was Father, because there was silence, there was peace in the room. The next thing I saw was like, and I've got a picture of this, uh, I should have given it to Martin, but um, I just had, like this open fireplace, and, and then I saw Father God sat there, and I felt like he was inviting me to sit on his lap in that moment, and I felt like his father invited me to sit on his lap. So, you know, I closed my eyes, and I, I just pictured sitting on his lap, and in that moment, I had perfect peace. There were no more tears. I felt safe. I felt assured that everything was going to be okay. There was no worry. There was no fear. And I just lay there for hours until I was able to go to sleep. And I hadn't been able to go to sleep for days at that point. But after I woke that next day, there were more difficulties in the day. So I remember I was at church and I went up into the office and I sat down, I closed my eyes and I just pictured sitting on his lap and straight away there was peace. And this has continued to this day. Whenever I'm facing something difficult, whenever I'm struggling, I, I take that moment where I just sit and picture myself. I'm like, Father, I'm sat in your lap again. And he's not like, Dan, it's been two months since you last did that. He's open arms. And it's from that place I've been able to make good decisions. It's from that place where I've been able to, to, to receive guidance. Um, sometimes God just drops a person on, on my mind and I get in touch with them. And I remember one of those times it was with JP and, and um, we've gone for many a walks. It's been, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're brothers. You know, God's really used him to, to impact my life. And you're blessed to have him here, to be honest. You really are. And they're family. But the reason I share this story is this isn't exclusive to me. Father wants you to sit on his lap. And, and I just wonder if you're okay, if you could just close your eyes. Because I really felt like literally this morning when I woke up, I felt like God say, I want you to share this story. Because I was saying, God, maybe I'll just hand over to JP and he can lead us in prayer or whatever. But I really felt like God said, no, I want you to share this story. And I want you to invite those that are listening here, those that are listening um, on the catch-up, I want you to invite them to have that same encounter. So maybe it'll work for you, picturing, closing your eyes and just picturing sitting on his lap. Or maybe he might give you another picture. Because it does look different in different people's lives. But I do believe that the Father is inviting you with open arms this morning to encounter his love. He wants you. He says to you, son, daughter, just sit. Just sit with me. Just sit with me for a moment. I love you. I love you. It doesn't matter to me what you've done. I love you. I understand the things that you face. Just sit here for a moment. Know that I love you that my word says to you 
that even the birds are looked after and you are more precious to me than birds. (laughs) I will look after you. I will lead you. I'm always here for you. I want you to know and feel and understand my love for you. Just receive it. That's all you've got to do. Sit on my lap. Just receive it. And there are some of you here this morning that you've carried shame for a long time. God wants to robe you in his righteousness. Wants to lift that shame off of you in Jesus' name. Some of you have had not good things done to you by others. And I, I sense the Father saying that, you know, in those moments he's, he's been crying for you and wants, to bring, wants you to come to him so he can heal you of the wounds that have been caused by others, whether it's words that have been spoken, whatever it looks like, that's not been God's heart for you. He wants to heal you. He wants to release you from the things that have been holding you back. Father, we thank you so much for your heart for us. We thank you that you love us, that you go after the one. Lord God, each and every one of us has been that one that you've gone after. Maybe there's someone here today or somebody listening on the podcast, you know, you're the one and they've, they've gone after you. This, you know, you've revealed that you've discovered that, that God is going after you and you want to come to him. We thank you that the value you place on us, Lord. We thank you for your love and your compassion. And moving forward from this point, Father, we ask you, will you help us to bring your love to those around us? Take off the pressure of having to be people that stand on a box and share doom and gloom and turn or burn. Father, help us to discover who we are and how you want us to share your good news wherever we go. Maybe just drop in an item of food on your neighbor's doorstep. It could be inviting someone to Alpha or to church. Whatever it looks like, Father, help us to not feel guilty because we're not preaching your gospel every moment out loud where we go. But help us to understand who we are and how you want us to share your good news in the way that you want us to. Because we want to take it out into this world because the world needs it. In Jesus' name, amen.